Hey everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Regardless of your residency program year, the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Platform developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons is right for you. Free to residents, ROC is an online learning program that covers 11 subspecialty areas with content that's been authored and curated by some of the leading names in orthopedics. And residents can access content for free at rock.aos.org. Get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Nails at Ortho podcast. You are tuned in to our OITE reviews. My name is Wendell Cole. Myself and Dr. Spencer Wilwan are doing this OITE slash board review series, and we are trying or hoping to go over the high-yield orthopedic surgery topics for these exams, and we're still on some foot and ankle, so we'll continue on with some foot and ankle. Uh, if you haven't already, please go and rate and leave a review in iTunes or however you listen to us. That would help out a bunch, as well as if you want some notes and something visually to look at and review or to follow along while you're listening to this podcast, check out our podcast companion book. The link is in the description. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Midnight, and uh, they had some sort of injury that involves their midfoot. When you get a uh, radiograph, what are what are some of the aspects you're looking for? Uh, on a radiograph of the foot to to ensure that there is no uh, midfoot uh, fracture dislocation. Yeah, so when you're looking at um, an X-ray of the foot, you want the second metatarsal um, to line up with the medial aspect of the middle cuneiform, not the medial cuneiform, but the middle cuneiform. So the inside part of the again middle cuneiform should line up with the second um, second metatarsal. And when you're looking at an oblique film. You want the medial aspect of the cuboid bone to line up with the fourth metatarsal. So those are just some, um, you know, some landmarks that you should kind of ingrain in your head as to what is normal. So when you see these x-rays and you see that there's displacement, not even if just with just a um, just a alignment of the second um, metatarsal with the middle cuneiform, but also the fourth, you may need to start thinking like, oh, okay, this may not just be a list rank. This may be an, an entire injury to the tarsal metatarsal joint. It may be dislocated. So that's why, you know, just keep looking at x-rays and noting, the, and noting these things. And after you look at a bunch of normal x-rays, once you start seeing the abnormals, they will kind of start to jump out at you. And that being said, uh, one of the things that they like to, I remember that I, I always saw, I don't know why, and, um, and people always like to ask me this, but what is the flex sign? The flex sign is based on the uh, avulsion of the Liz Frank ligament from the base of the second metatarsal, which is uh, most commonly seen on x-ray. If it's not seen on x-ray, it'll be seen on a CT scan. But if you get an avulsion of the ligament, it'll pull off a chunk of bone, and you'll see that uh, within the kind of Liz Frank space. Uh, primarily, it is coming off of the base of the second metatarsal, uh, but occasionally you'll see it on the opposite side from the base of the uh, medial cuneiform. I don't have a great 
reason as to why it's most commonly uh, from the base of the second metatarsal that may be the kind of weaker or smaller uh, surface area attachment. Um, but um, that is the, the primary area where you're going to see it. So um, let's say a uh, quick look at the x-rays. You're kind of groggy. It's two o'clock in the morning. You just woke up on, on, uh, on call and you get a phone call and they say, hey, um, we got a patient. They got some, some midfoot bruising. We're, we're kind of concerned about the x-ray, but it doesn't show much. What, uh, what sort of things are you going to order if you have a suspicion for a Liz Frank injury, but there's no obvious evidence that there is one happening currently? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, again, this can be difficult, especially if it's in like the very acute period, like right after the injury. And, you know, you're, you're really highly suspicious in the x-ray. It's just like, you know, you just can't seem to seem to tell what's what. If you can get them to weight bear or stand on those lower extremities and get films in, again, standing films or weight bearing films, you may be able to see some gapping or some displacement on that. And then, you know, obviously, if you're in the OR, um, or some people do this in the clinic, but I've seen this more if you're in the OR and you want to do kind of an, an examination under anesthesia or, or stress those joints, you can also get an abduction stress film. So this is where you or you abduct uh, the forefoot and you look for any abnormal gapping or any displacement on the on the uh, on the AP uh, foot film. So again, that's going to be an abduction stress view can help. But I think the main things that uh, that you want to know that they'll say or ask on is again you have a high suspicion for a Liz Frank injury. They have these plantar ankylosis that they may have at the bottom of their foot. That's another thing that you need to be on the lookout for. But the X-rays seem normal. You want to get weight bearing films. Now, yeah, we actually. Uh, sorry to. Kind yeah, of go for it. in here, but um, I I do remember that a few of my trauma attendings, um, although not foot and ankle specific, but trauma specific, they would, um, they uh, they would say that. Uh, and I, I distinctly remember this actually from the chairman that um, when you ask for a patient to give a weight-bearing x-ray with a suspected Liv's Frank injury, if they are not able to do a weight-bearing injury, if that causes too much pain, then you go on and assume they do have a Liz Frank injury and you consider uh, advanced imaging, whether it's in the form of a CT scan or an MRI. Um, they were just like, you know, if if they're able to do a weight-bearing film, then it probably is not a Liz Frank injury. But if they uh, can't do it, then you, you're you probably already going to point to a Liz Frank injury. Oh, yeah. No, that's I think those are um, solid tips and uh, very solid, uh, you know, advice and definitely something to do and, and to think and consider of. And, you know, that being said... So say, you know, we got all these films, we diagnosed that they have a Liz Frank injury. You know, what is a treatment um, option for a displaced Liz Frank or a mid midfoot fracture dislocation? Because we know the Liz Frank joint can be uh, injured, but also some of the other tarsal metatarsal joints like the third or the fourth uh, along, you know, with the cuboid and the cuneiforms can also be uh, injured. So what is the treatment for a displaced Liz Frank injury? Yeah, so the, the treatments, and um, this has come into question a little bit um, in recent years, and 
I'm not entirely sure whether this has been hashed out. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because I don't think on your exams, uh, as because we are doing this primarily for OITE and ABOS, but also just for general knowledge and for kind of getting through residency and uh, preparing yourselves for the first couple of years of practice, hopefully, um, is that uh, there's a little bit of controversy whether it's going to be an ORIF versus a primary arthrodesis. And how they bring this up on the exams is uh, mostly in terms of ORIF versus arthrodesis and when hardware is taken out. And ORIF tends to have hardware taken out more than arthrodesis. Obviously, if you do a successful arthrodesis, hardware doesn't need to be taken out. But if you do a successful ORIF, you still want midfoot motion and that hardware is going to become symptomatic. So you're going to take that out. So to answer your question, I would still say that, at least for my practice and for a lot of people out there, if you have a displaced acute Liz Frank midfoot fracture dislocation, you're going to be treating this with a true open reduction internal fixation. You're going to make one, maybe two dorsal incisions, one over the uh, first and second uh, articular space and one over the third and fourth or the fourth and fifth articular space to uh, recreate the midfoot. And you're going to rigidly fix the medial column, meaning the first and second middle metatarsals with the medial and middle cuneiforms. And you're going to uh, flexibly fix the lateral column or the fourth and fifth uh, metatarsals and the metatarsal uh, or the tarsal, the lateral tarsal metatarsal joints with K wires. And so uh, I know that this is kind of a lot to take in. So if you're going to treat this <laughs> with open reduction internal fixation, you want to rigidly fix the medial column and you want to flexibly fix the lateral column. So the medial column is with screws and plates and the lateral column is with K wires. And uh, that is going to help you answer essentially 100% of the questions yeah. to open reduction internal fixation of tarsal metatarsal joints. We'll get into it later about arthrodesis versus ORIF, but just know that there is a little bit of controversy between the two and it's a little bit of dealer's choice. So when you're answering these questions, they're not going to ask, are you going to fix this or arthrodesis? That, that, is, that hasn't been hashed out in literature at this point, so they won't ask you between the two, but they will ask you how you will fix a midfoot fracture dislocation. So just know rigid fixation medially and flexible fixation laterally, and you'll be able to answer all the questions. And so. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Are you an orthopedic resident? Then you need to know about ROCK. It's a new resident orthopedic core knowledge program developed by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Created for U.S. residency programs and free to residents, ROC covers 11 subspecialties and is filled with in-depth, comprehensive content and quizzes that have been authored and vetted by some of the leading experts in orthopedics. This all-in-one curriculum will give you the foundation and knowledge you need to become a successful 
board certified orthopedic surgeon. And remember, access to rock content is free to residents. Get started at rock.aaos.org. Um, let's say that uh, you have a, uh, a second patient. So you fix the first patient. You did uh, plate and screws for the uh, uh, Liz Frank fracture dislocation on the first patient. But then you have a second one that um, really doesn't have uh, a lot on radiographs to, uh, to justify what's going on. Uh, how are you going to treat that patient? Yeah, you know, you look on x-rays, you know, there's not really much displaced when you get weight-bearing films, not much displacement, stress films, and, you know, everything seems stable. You could treat them without surgery, so you could treat them, you know, either, again, like I said, in their cast or a boot, but nonetheless, you have them non-weight-bearing at least for around six weeks. We know bones take around six, eight weeks or so to heal, so you keep them non-weight-bearing for around six weeks. Um, now, what is a treatment option if intercuneiform instability is noted. So like, you know, for example, you note that the, um, that the Liz Frank is out on and when you get them to the OR, you do a stress test, you maybe do an abduction stress test and you note that there's some uneven spaces in between the cuneiform uh, bones themselves. Um, what are you gonna do then? You know, again, so you, you see that there's instability in those intercuneiform, in the intercuneiform region. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that you bring that up because when we think about Liz Frank joints, we're like, or the Liz Frank injuries, we're like, oh, it's just a, an injury between the second metatarsal and the medial cuneiform. But a lot of times in order to cause injury to the Liz Frank joint, you have to cause injury to the surrounding either bones or soft tissue structures. And so, yeah, I think it's it's good to evaluate all of those. And I know that that's what we did in my residency is for every Liz Frank joint, you still before you fixed the Liz Frank joint, you evaluated the um, the first metatarsal and the uh, medial cuneiform joint, and then the intercuneiform joints as well to make sure that even though you fix the primary injury, you're not missing secondary injuries. And so what you want to do is you want to reduce those joints and you want to fix them with a screw. And you don't have to arthrodes them necessarily as long as you put a screw across those joints through the medial, middle, and lateral cuneiform and you rigidly fix them in a reduced fashion, then you're going to solve a lot of midfoot issues. So uh, for those of you who are uh, medical students or younger residents, you'll, you'll notice that a lot of these midfoot fracture patterns will actually have a screw going across all three cuneiforms as well as the uh, Liz Frank joint. And, the, and that's exactly what they are trying to stabilize is that intercuneiform instability. And so um, let's say uh, x-rays are fine, CT scan is fine, but you're still concerned about a Liz Frank joint, you get an MRI and you see that the Liz Frank ligament itself is uh, disrupted. Um, how are you going to treat that purely ligamentous Liz Frank joint? Yeah, and one thing I want to say on what you're just talking about with the intercuneiform instability, I'll say anybody listening to this podcast is like a first year or a second year. If you're listening to this and would have known this, like you're way ahead of the game, like you're way ahead of what I knew when I was like a first year or a second year resident. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we're covering this, but 
for what you were just talking about, a purely ligamentous Liz Frank injury, uh, you would treat these with actually a primary fusion. Um, and I think this is just based off of one paper. Uh, well, I don't know if it's based off one paper, but I know the paper is based off. It's a paper out of JBJS in 2007 called Treatment of Primary Ligamentous Liz Frank Joint Injuries, Primary Orthodesis Compared with Overreduction and Internal Fixation Surgical Technique. And um, again, this was published in um, JBJS in 2007. And, you know, they concluded that, you know, a, a primary stable orthodesis of the medial two or three rays appears to have a better short and medium uh, term outcome than open reduction internal fixation of a ligamentous Liz Frank injury. Again, purely ligamentous. Um, but also note there are some studies that show equivalent that e they have equal outcomes of fixation. So if you're seeing you know a question and in primary fusion is the answer, I think that's an article that is based off of. Um, but again, there are some other studies out there that do show that there are some equivocal outcomes um, to fixation versus fusion. Now, what are some you know we we move we I think we've gone through the list, Frank. And now, uh, what are some operative indications for metatarsal fractures? Yeah, so usually a uh, solitary metatarsal fracture is treated non-operatively. I mean, outside of open fractures or gross displacement, such as skin tenting or impending open fractures or uh, obvious foot deformity. But um, when you are looking at a, at a forefoot injury and you have multiple metatarsal fractures, you may consider fixing those to recreate the anatomic uh, forefoot um, open fractures. And then any sort of border fractures, first and fifth metatarsal fractures are probably ones that you're going to want to uh, fix uh, in a uh, stable fashion so that you recreate the, the true boundaries of the foot. Um, and then uh, when you, they're, they're always going to say, it is a uh, probably like an 18 to 22 year old female. Um, she's in ballet and they're going to either show you the x-ray or they're going to give you the symptoms of forefoot pain. What are those, what are the things you're concerned about in, in those sort of patients? Yeah. So they give you, again, just like you said, 18 year old dancer having forefoot pain, you just got to, have on your radar a stress fracture and one of the bones that is common in these in you know in dancers is going to be a, a stress fracture of the second metatarsal base sometimes you can diagnose these with x-rays but like most stress fractures almost everywhere else <laughs> c2 scan can yeah. also lead to uh to diagnosis sometimes an mri as well so some type of advanced imaging and you can treat this with protected weight bearing so trying to you know stay off of it um, and you know, hopefully those can heal with some time. Now, okay, so that's a we talked a little bit about the second metatarsal base fracture again, commonly seen in dancers. And we talked about way, way earlier the snowbiter's ankle, which was a fracture of the lateral process of the talus, um, that's commonly seen in snowboarders. So, you know, if they give you that question stem or dancer question stem, hopefully those are slam dunks. Um, now, what is the mechanism and treatment of a 
zone one fifth metatarsal fracture. And I know we haven't talked about the zones yet, um, but you know, if you're listening to this and you want to check out a, a podcast on metatarsal fractures, listen to our podcast with Dr. Barron's. Um, he did a great job talking about fifth metatarsal fractures, but what is the mechanism and treatment of a zone one fifth metatarsal fracture? So, so, so fifth metatarsal fractures for whatever reason, uh, the OIT and ABOS love it. Um, I don't have a great reason why, maybe because we have actual good evidence to support uh, treatment for them. Um, that that may be really honestly the reason why, but it just seems like it's something that is grilled into your head as a medical student and then as a junior resident and then something you should continue to know as a senior resident and fellow. Um, even a tumor fellow still knows this stuff, uh, such as myself. And so zone one, uh, for those who are just kind of listening in, haven't really looked at, at metatarsal fractures, your, your zone one of your fifth metatarsal is proximal to the uh, articulation of the uh, tarsal metatarsal joint with the uh, cuboid. Zone two really goes through the uh, joint itself of the uh, fifth metatarsal and cuboid. And then zone three is uh, distal, more kind of diaphyseal type uh, uh, fracture for the fifth metatarsal. So for the zone one, the mechanism that you commonly see with this is a foot inversion injury. So it's going to present very similar to a, uh, like a ankle sprain. And it may be, somebody who was playing basketball, football, whatever sport they were playing, and they had an inversion injury to their foot. And what's going to differentiate differentiate these patients from a ankle sprain is your physical exam. When you directly push on the proximal portion of the fifth metatarsal, they will have pain. In a yeah. true ankle sprain, they will not have pain in that area because they don't have a fracture there. So uh, for ones who have a fracture in zone one, they will have pain in zone one of the fifth metatarsal. The x-rays will show it that it is a small fleck of bone that is avulsed off the proximal portion of the fifth metatarsal from the peroneus brevis tendon, which for those of you listening will be tested on. It'll be, they'll show you an x-ray of the avulsion fracture. And they'll ask you what tendon attaches here. It is not the peroneus longus. It is the peroneus brevis. <laughs> yeah. And then the treatment for these is non-surgical. You, you do not treat these patients with surgery. They are treated just like an ankle sprain. You will put them either in a cam boot or in a, a lace-up ankle brace. And you will start them on ankle, ankle proprioceptive uh, physical therapy. And most of the time, those patients will get better. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the Neil the Dorotho podcast. If you have not already, please go and follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook at Nailed It Ortho, and tell one friend or colleague about us. That would help out a bunch. So until next time.